what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the, the pros and the cons of each one. I'm going to talk about the pros and the cons of a self-funded business. And then I'm going to talk about the pros and the cons of an investor-funded business. And all I'm trying to do is to present you with a 360-degree picture of the issues and the challenges and the opportunities and the prospects so that you have everything you need to make a decision for yourself. Because the truth is, the choice I make may not be the best choice for you. And that's because every situation is different. Every entrepreneur is different. Every business is different. Every situation is different. So it's unlikely that there is a one-size-fits-all, you know, in this kind of case. So what I want you to do is what you already know how to do, which is making decisions, making choices as an entrepreneur. And one thing that helps your choices, if you really want to make good choices, one thing that can really help you is the quality of information that you have. The better the information you have, the better the choices you can make. So I want to arm you, I want to equip you with solid information that would allow you make the best choice for you so that you don't regret your choices down the road. Every big thing starts small. It's a natural law. Every big multinational corporation was once a small business. Welcome to the Small Starter Business Podcast, a unique podcast for practical tips and advice to help you start, grow, or turn around your business. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. I am your host, as usual, John Paul Iwoha. Today's episode is quite stimulating because I'm going to be addressing one of those very common questions that I get, especially when an entrepreneur is in a position where they are considering either raising capital from inside or ignoring external capital. So I've seen situations where it's not the entrepreneur who wants to raise money, but then people are walking up to him or her and they're saying, I like what you're doing. I like what you're doing in your business. Can I be part of this? Can I invest in your business? Can I be part of, I, I think over the next couple of years, this could really be big. Can I be part of what you're building? Can I be an investor in your business? Can I join you as a business partner? There are people who get such um, uninvited solicitations where it is the money that is chasing the entrepreneur. Then there are entrepreneurs in some other cases who have come to a point in their business where they need to seriously consider the prospect of raising money for their business. And the question is, should I just continue to make the sacrifice and just continue to trudge along this path? Or should I consider raising money from outside, which could be from investors or from the banks? So that's exactly what I'm going to be looking at in today's episode. So today's episode is essentially about, do you have to raise money from banks or investors? And another way to put it is, self-funded businesses versus investor-funded businesses which is better? Is it better to take money from banks or investors? Or is it better to ignore that money and just grow the business on your own? So I, you can, as you can expect, in my usual tradition, I'm going to do my best to do this topic justice by looking at it from different dimensions. And you know, the interesting thing about this is, it all comes down to the individual, the entrepreneur. And this is one of the most beautiful things I love about entrepreneurship. It is the power it gives you to decide. It's the power it gives you to make choices. 
It's the power of initiative that it gives you. I can't think of any other endeavor, any other human endeavor that places so much power in the hand of the, of the individual like entrepreneurship. So there is no right or wrong answer to the questions I've, I've just asked. But because everybody is different, because every business is different, what I like, what John Paul likes is totally different from what you're going to like. What my choices are going to be shaped by my experiences, by my tastes, by my preferences, by my personality, by my values, by my biases, by my principles. And it's very unlikely that I share the same exact same, I share the same exact same things with, with you. You're very likely going to have your own values, your own tastes, your own preferences and all that. So the goal of this episode is to accommodate everybody. No matter what kind of business you have, no matter the point you are in your business, no matter how much you need to decide about raising money, you are going to learn something from this episode that would help you make the right choice. The right choice that is best for you so that three years down the road, five years down the road, ten years down the road, you're not going to be thinking or regretting the decisions that you have made. So let's just get right down to it. And the first place I want to start is to actually align everybody on the same page so that it is clear that we are all talking about the same thing. So when I say a self-funded business, what do I mean by a self-funded business, right? Because these things can be subject to interpretation. So I want to make sure that the definitions are the same so that you understand exactly what it is I'm talking about. So when I say self-funded business, what I mean is a kind of business that runs on money from three sources. So if you run your business currently, or if you plan to run your business based on these three sources I'm going to talk about, essentially what you have is a self-funded business. The first source of money for a self-funded business is your own personal funds. So you as the founder, you as the entrepreneur, it's very likely most people start their businesses with their own personal funds. And this can come from their income. Some people have a job, they maintain that job, they're earning a salary, they're, living, they're earning a wage from that salary, and they're using it to support the business on the side. And then for some people, when the business has grown to a point where maybe the income replaces the income from their job, or they cannot continue to juggle a job and a side gig, they, some people just resign, you know, they just abandon the job and focus on the business full-time. I also have a, a couple of clients who are doing a good job of maintaining a day job because they want to grow in their career. Some of them are lawyers, doctors, engineers. They're very passionate about what they do, but they run a big a business on the side, a successful business. And some of them are already at a point where the, the amount of money they are making from their business is actually enough to you know, replace what they're making from their job. But they just don't want to leave their job because they find fulfillment from it. So if you are funding your business from your own personal funds, which could be income, like I said, or your savings, or you've gotten, uh, you borrowed money, or you raised money from friends and family, or you borrowed money in your personal capacity from the bank. Now, you need to pay attention to this. If you're going to borrow money from a bank, for example, there are two ways you can do it. You can borrow it in the name of your business, or you can borrow it in your own personal capacity, and then use that money to support your business. The kind I'm talking about here is the kind where you walk up to the bank and you borrow the money in your own personal capacity you know, to support your business. So the bank doesn't know that the money you're borrowing is to support a business. You know, it's like you're letting them know that it's, you want to borrow this money on your own account. The bank doesn't know you are using that money for business. So if that's what you're doing, you are still a self-funded business because in the eyes of the bank, they are not funding your business. 
They don't even know your business exists. You didn't tell them about the business. You just said you wanted to borrow money and they gave you that money on your own merits, right? It wasn't about the business. So that's one way, that's one source of funds for a self-funded business. You are running the business based on money from your own personal funds or from funds that you've gotten from friends and family. The second source of of funding for a self-funded business is money generated from customers. So if you have a business where most of the money you're using to run your business comes from the sales that you're making, from selling your products or services to customers who then pay you for those products or services. If a big chunk of the funds you're using to run your business comes from your customers, then you're a self-funded business. Because essentially, customers are the only outsiders who would fund your business without asking for anything in return. Unlike a bank, a bank will ask you for interest. An investor will ask you for return on investment. A customer just wants good service. They want the value that they ask for. They want the product to work well. They want to be satisfied with the service. And as long as you do these things, customers never come back to ask for their money, you know, if you do a good job. So the ideal is for is that every healthy and successful business in the world runs on money from their customers. Now, some of these businesses may have raised money from investors, but the reason that they're raising money from investors is because they couldn't get enough money from their customers to do whatever it is they wanted to do. But there are some businesses that are fortunate to be able to raise enough money from their customers early on. I like to call these businesses cash cow businesses. They are businesses where they generate a lot of money from their sales. They generate a lot of money from their customers. And as a result, they don't need to go to any bank or any investor to ask for money. Their customers make sure that the business is well-funded. So if most of the funds that are coming into your business is from your customers, then you're a self-funded business, as long as you've never raised money from outside before. Now, the third source of funding for a self-funded business is the kind of money that you get from outside but you don't need to pay back. And examples of these will be grants. So grants is essentially, it's free money. You get it from whatever source. It could be from a philanthropic source or some development finance institution or some religious organization, whatever it is. Essentially, a grant is money that you get to support your business that you don't have to pay back. Another will be a donation. Another will be a prize award. Maybe you got involved in some competition or something and then you won money. The, the common thing these things have, all these, um, so all these um, examples I've given, the, the thing they all have in common is that all these monies do not have to be paid back. And as long as you don't have to pay back that money, it is free money. And I consider it um, a source of funding for a self-funded business. So if, you have, if you've collected money from any source, that does not expect you to pay back that money in a business capacity, then I consider that a source of funding for a self-funded business. So like I mentioned, I'm still trying to define the the, the core concepts for this episode. What is a self-funded business? I just told you a self-funded business is a business that gets money from three sources. The first source is the personal funds of the owner of the business. The second is money that comes from customers through sales. And the third is free money that the business gets, which could be grants, donations, prize awards, and all that. So that's it for self-funded businesses. Now let's talk about investor-funded businesses. What what exactly is an investor-funded business? It's very simple. If your business has ever collected money from outside and the person who, and the person or organization 
or company that gave you that money expects their money back, then you're an investor-funded business. So typically, these outsiders could be banks. Banks fund a lot of businesses through loans, and a bank expects that you pay them back. You pay back the money plus interest. So if you're funding your business through bank loans, I consider you an investor-funded business. So in technical terms, your bank is not your investor. A bank doesn't take equity in your business, but they are backing your business financially and it's some form of investment that they are putting in. Because for, for the bank, a, the loan they are giving to you is an investment because they're going to get something in return, right? And then the second source of funding for an investor-funded business is from equity investors, people who give you money and they expect to have a share of your company. It could be 5%, 10%, 30%, 50%, 70%. Essentially, if anybody gives you money and they, and they expect to have a share or a slice of your company in return, then I consider that an investor-funded business. So that's, the, that's the, uh, the place where we are right now. Is it better to have a self-funded business where you do your best to get whatever funds you need from internal sources of your business or from personal sources, right? Is, is that a better strategy? Or should you just reach out and look for investors or banks that will be willing to give you money? Now, the, one of the main reasons why I decided to discuss this episode is right now it is boom time for uh, ventures and startups in Africa. Um, last year alone, African businesses raised over $4 billion. You know, and this is only in tech. This is only like in tech-related businesses. Four points, I think it was $4.6 billion in one year alone. So a lot of money is flowing into tech ecosystems, into the startup ecosystems. A lot of money is flowing to innovative ideas, prototypes, you know, things that could change markets, disruptive, um, disruptive and creative ideas disruptive and creative businesses, a lot of money is flowing. So, you know, we're now hearing of companies that are raising $50 million, $20 million, $100 million. And some people might be like, you know, if these guys can raise this amount of money, why can't I raise this, you know, that kind of money? You know, and there's also this additional media exposure and all the whole razzmatazz that comes with raising money from outside. So it can be quite tempting. So I've had a couple of, you know, my students and clients reach out to say, you know, I'm at a point in business where I'm considering raising money from outside. For some of them, it goes like, um, you know, John Paul, I really don't need this money right now. But I just think, you know, it's, it's money that's available out there and I can just get it, you know. And then other people are like, you know, we're at the point where we're, we're, we're going to run out of money. So I think we should explore raising money from the outside. And, you know, uh, instead of giving these... Um, pieces of advice, you know, in one-on-one to one sessions, like I often do with my clients, I thought there might be somebody out there who may be considering this question and has not yet made up their mind. So let's let's talk about it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about the, the pros and the cons of each one. I'm going to talk about the pros and the cons of a self-funded business, and then I'm going to talk about the pros and the cons of an investor-funded business. And all I'm trying to do is to present you with a 360-degree picture of the issues and the challenges and the opportunities and the prospects so that you have everything you need to make a decision for yourself. Because the truth is, the choice I make may not be the best choice for you. And that's because every situation is different. 
Every entrepreneur is different. Every business is different. Every situation is different. So it's unlikely that there is a one size fits all, you know, in this kind of case. So what I want you to do is what you already know how to do, which is making decisions, making choices as an entrepreneur. And one thing that helps your choices, if you really want to make good choices, one thing that can really help you is the quality of information that you have. The better the information you have, the better the choices you can make. So I want to arm you, I want to equip you with solid information that would allow you make the best choice for you so that you don't regret your choices down the road. So let's look at the pros of a self-funded business. Why would you want to be a self-funded business? Why would you want to reject or ignore money coming from the outside, either from a bank or investor? Why would anybody want to do that? There are companies that have grown into billion-dollar status. The quick ones that come to mind would be MailChimp. MailChimp is a, is a technology platform. It's for email marketing. Another one is Spanx. Spanx is um, owned by Sarah Blakely. Um, it's uh, a, a, a lady's... Um, underwear, you know, that's that's sort of, that's a segment. It's not even a tech company. And Sarah Blakely grew that company to a valuation of one, $1 billion without taking money from any outside investor, you see. So it's possible to grow your business to significant valuations without taking money from the outside. But, but again, it's not an easy process, like I'm about to tell you. So the pros of a self-funded business, number one, it's that you maintain full ownership and control of the company. If you don't take money from outside, for example, if you don't take money from um, equity investors, what it means is that you are going to retain 100% ownership of your company. And for some people, that's a very big deal because 100% means that you can control the company, you get to make all the decisions, which of course comes to my second point. The second advantage of a self, self-funded business is that you have significant freedom and flexibility to take any decisions and actions that you want. And that's a, that's a big deal for, for people who take pride in the innovativeness and the creativity they put into their business. You know, all this time, you've been the person running your business, you decide what kind of product you want to build, how you're going to serve that product, what customers you're going to serve, what markets you're going to serve. You know, you make all the decisions and you... For some people, they enjoy the, in the independence and the autonomy that they have to make decisions in their business, you know, without getting any outside interference, right? And then another, another um, upside of, of a self-funded business, and this is something I admire in those people who have refused to take money from outside. One thing I've noticed in most of them is that they are very disciplined when it comes to resources. Because when you're funding your business from what you have, essentially you're bootstrapping. When you're bootstrapping your way to building a very successful company, you learn to be disciplined and efficient with your resources because you cannot afford to waste your capital and stuff like that. So you, you end up making very frugal decisions. For example, one thing I've learned from people who, from businesses that are self-funded is that the entrepreneurs know how to prioritize what they need from what they want. So, and that is one common trap people fall into when they don't understand the difference between what their business needs and what their business wants. And uh, people end up spending a lot of money on things that they, are, they, they think their business wants 
And that's what wastes money. But when you focus essentially on what your business needs, you end up being very efficient and frugal in the way you manage your resources. So that is one big benefit I've seen from people who have refused to take money from banks or from investors. Another upside I have seen is that these people tend to keep all the rewards to themselves because you own 100% of the company, right? If your business succeeds and becomes like mega successful, guess what? You own 100% of that success. It's all yours, right? So it's like you took all that risk and you get to keep all the rewards for yourself. So that's another major upside of, of a self-funded business. Now, in my books, anything that has a good side has a bad side. If not, we, if not, we'll end up being biased because we need to balance the perspectives. And the perspective I've just given you right now is the reason why some people say they don't want to raise money from investors or they will never take a loan from a bank. And they are very proud of it. The reasons, the reasons I just gave you, these are the reasons that they take pride in. And that is why they don't want to touch external money. But then there are downsides. And I, it's, I also think it's very important that you are um, aware of these downsides. The first downside, which I consider a major handicap, is that self-funded businesses have poor leverage. And by leverage, I mean that you are limited by your own resources. You know, in building that business, you are limited by your personal funds and any money you can raise from your friends and family. Essentially, you're confined to what you own. And the thing is, in business, at least for many of the successful businesses that are out there, they take advantage of leverage. And what leverage means in, 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 in business terms when it comes to um, capital in a business is that you end up using other people's money to grow your business. That's one thing successful companies are good at, using other people's money to grow their business. But when a business is self-funded and is limited to the resources of the owner of the business, you lose out on that leverage. Because by not taking loans from the banks, you know, remember, loans are other people's money. They are, they, are, they are monies that people have deposited in the banks. And then the banks are giving it to businesses as loans. Essentially, a loan is an opportunity to use other people's money. And then you just pay the bank an interest for giving you that service, for allowing you to use other people's money. So, But when, when, when your business is self-funded, you miss out on that opportunity. You miss out on that leverage, right? So that's one thing, poor leverage. Uh, businesses that are self-funded have poor leverage. The second downside of uh, businesses that are self-funded is that they tend to grow slower. And this makes sense because you are, you are confined by the resources that the owner of the business has, you know? So you only grow at the pace of your resources. You're not going to just jump because you are building from what you own compared to somebody who is going to the bank and taking other people's money or reaching out to investors and taking investors' money. Such people can grow faster than a business that is self-funded. So that slower growth is uh, due to the limited resources that limit your ability to grow, your ability to compete, and your ability to scale the business. That is a downside. That is a handicap of self-funded businesses. Another downside, another handicap of self-funded businesses is that those businesses tend to remain small and localized for a very long time, right? If you think of businesses that have global scale, and I mean young businesses that have global scale, and there's a reason I use the term young, because if you think of a business that has global scale, one example might be Coca-Cola, right? Coca-Cola is available in most parts of the world. Almost everybody knows Coca-Cola. 
right? But the reason I'm not using Coca-Cola as an example is that Coca-Cola is a 100-year-plus company. It's, it's, it's more than 100 years old. And then 100 years is enough time for even somebody who is building a business from their own resources to amass sufficient reserves to start to seek international expansion. But I'm not talking about a company like Coca-Cola. The example I would prefer to use is a company like Uber, right? Uber is, is less than 15 years old. Uber is a very young company. But if you consider the age of Uber and how fast Uber has grown across the world, Airbnb also falls into this category. Facebook falls into this category. Twitter falls into this category. All these companies I'm mentioning are companies that have international scale. These are companies that are less than 20 years old, right? And they are known in many parts of the world. It's almost impossible to achieve that kind of scale by using your own funds alone. To achieve this kind of scale where you're expanding your products or your services across international borders, you're entering new markets, your products are, are, are present in more than four continents, right? You need leverage. And remember what I said about leverage. Leverage usually comes from using other people's money. So this is a downside that self-funded businesses face. They are not able to grow and scale as fast as businesses that take money from the outside. And that is a limitation. Now, remember that one man's food or one man's meat can be another man's poison, right? There are some people who don't want to scale. There are some people who don't want their businesses to go beyond their city or their country. They are perfectly okay with having a small and boutique business. And they're perfectly fine with that. They do, not envy uh, they do not envy companies like Uber or Airbnb. They don't care about international expansion. They just are, are okay. They are comfortable. They are content with running a small business. And remember what I said, that all of us are different. If that's what works for you, then rock it. My goal here is not to persuade you towards any perspective. My goal here is to give you enough information that you are confident in your decisions and in your choices. So if you choose to remain small, I'm very, very happy for you. So because I've called it a downside, doesn't mean it's a downside for everybody. Some people want their businesses to stay small. And then the, the, other, the other downside I want to talk about, about um, self-funded businesses is that these businesses tend to carry all the financial risk if the business fails. What I mean is the, the owner of the business, if you own 100% of your business and you've put in all your money, all your sweat, you made sacrifices, you know there is no guarantee that that business will work. There are businesses that have run for two years, three years, five years, and then they crash, right? Uh, for, some, for some people, it amounts to beating a dead horse. There are, it just granted that businesses will fail. Despite your best intentions, despite your sacrifices, despite your best wishes, businesses will fail. So if your business is one of those businesses that fail and you own 100% of the business, what it means is that you are, going to, you are going to suffer the entire loss. The same way if the business works, you get 100% of the, of the rewards because you own 100% of the business. That's also how it works in the inverse. If the business fails, you bear 100% of the risk. And the reason why this is important is that if you take outside money, for example, maybe you take an investor's money and that investor gets 20% ownership of your business 
or 40% ownership of your business. They contributed money to your business and now they own a share of your business. If something goes wrong in your business and your business fails, those people will also lose their money. And what that means is that rather than you bearing 100% of the risk, you have been able to share that risk with other people so that they too bear the risk. And that way, you are not knocked off, right? So that's, um, that's a downside in terms of risk sharing. But again, there are some people who don't mind carrying 100% of the risk. In fact, for, for them, they see it slightly differently. They're like, they don't want to inconvenience anybody or be responsible for the loss of other people's money. There are people who are like that. They're like, they cannot live with themselves that people lost their money on, on their watch, right? Even though, even though it's not always your fault that the business fails. A business can fail for a business can fail for a myriad of reasons. It can fail because of the market. It can fail because of competition. It can fail because of systemic risks, right? All of a sudden, the exchange rate changes on you, or inflation, or your central bank increases interest rates. These things are things that are outside of your control, and they can lead to business failure, right? But there are still those people who are not comfortable taking other people's money because they cannot stomach a situation where the business fails and, they are, and, and those people have lost their money. So like I said, it's not entirely an upside or downside. It all depends on your situation and how you see things. So right now, I've talked about the pros and cons of a, self, a self-funded business, a business that has refused to take money from the outside. And by money from the outside, I mean money you have to pay back. A business that has refused to take money from the outside, has refused to take a loan from the banks, or has refused to get equity investors on board. I've just shared with you the upsides and downsides of, of making such a choice. So if you were to make such a choice, I just shared with you the upsides and the downsides. Now, let me talk about the upsides and the downsides of an investor-funded business. If you decide or when you decide to take money from outside, either from a bank, you know, through a loan, and you have to pay back that loan with interest, or you decide to get money from equity investors. That, these are people or organizations that put money in your business in exchange for a share of your company. Could be 1%, could be 0.5%. Could be 30%, could be 50%, could be 70%. It all depends on what, your, what you agree on, on what you negotiate. These are the upsides of such a strategy. Now, the very first one, which is very obvious to me, is that when you decide to fund your business with outside money, you, inst- you instantly tap into the power of leverage. And remember what leverage means. Leverage means the power to use other people's money in your business. So you're using other people's money either as equity or as loans, but essentially you're using other people's money to get leverage. That's one major um, uh, upside, one major advantage of taking money from the outside. The, The second advantage, the second upside is that you have a better opportunity to grow and scale the business faster. I'm not going to dwell on this too much because I already explained it earlier. Remember what I said about companies like Uber and Airbnb and Facebook and Twitter? All of these are companies that raise money from investors and they were able to scale across geographical boundaries. They instantly became international companies. Why? Because they were able to get money that allowed them to grow very, very fast. It was like, pour, it was like pouring um, 
fuel on fire. That's what outside money is, right? So that's what they did, and they were able to scale um, faster. And the thing about scaling fast is that it gives you a better uh, competitive advantage because you can capture market share. You can spread and get a, a, a significant chunk of the market faster than your competitors because you have money to spend on marketing. You can spend money on advertising. You have more money to spend on customer acquisition. So you can move faster than your competition. And when market share is at stake, that can be a major competitive advantage. The third upside of taking money from the outside is you share the financial risk if the business fails. I already talked about this, right? Instead of taking, instead of owning 100% of the business, by giving out a portion of your business, if anything goes wrong, you do not bear 100% of the risk and you do not lose 100% of your money because you're able to share the losses with other people. And this is the case usually with equity investors, investors who give you money in exchange for equity in your business. And then another upside of, um, the fourth upside actually of investor-funded businesses is that when you really think about it, it's a situation of two or more heads are better than one. Because the moment you allow people to invest in your company, especially as equity investors, where they give you money in exchange for a percentage of your company, what you have essentially is that these people, most times, they don't just contribute their money. They also provide and support you with um, expertise. Some of them are, are, are typically experienced people in the business that you're running or in your industry, or they might know people. They might know people that can lead to you closing deals with distributors or finding suppliers or finding, finding very talented employees or finding other investors. They can open doors for you because sometimes equity investors don't just come with only money. They come with other things that can be of great benefit to the business. And the reason is that equity investors have an incentive to support your business. Remember, the way equity works is anybody who gives you equity in your business cannot make money unless the business is successful. If the business does not succeed, if the business fails, an equity investor will lose their money. But if the business succeeds, they make money. So there's an incentive for them to provide more than money. They can help you with other important stuff that can help the business succeed. So these are the upsides of taking money from the outside, taking money from banks or investors. Of course, everything that has a good side most often will have a bad side. And now let me talk about the downsides, the bad sides, the ugly sides of raising money from the outside. The first uh, con, the first downside I want to talk about is that you may lose a, a significant chunk of your company depending on how much money you raise and when you raise that money. So one challenge I often see is that when people raise money too early, and by too early, I mean maybe you don't really have like a steady stream of customers, the business has not yet stabilized, you know, and you are desperate for the money. So it's usually in those situations when you are desperate for money. What I also find is that you're not really able to negotiate a solid deal because you're desperate. You need that money because your business is likely going to run out of money. So you agree to terms that may not really be favorable. And it's in such situations that I see investors who, who take 60% of the company or 70% of the company. The moment you lose 60% of your company or 70% of your company, you have lost that thing called control. Because if there's a vote, you know, if you have less than 50%, you cannot carry the vote. And what that means is that you cannot make, you lose your flexibility 
to make decisions, especially unilateral decisions or actions. For example, you can imagine how it feels that you were the originator of the idea for that business. You started that business. You did the market research, market survey. You built the product. You are very passionate about this thing. You know your markets very well. You know your product very well. But all of a sudden, because you've taken money from, from outside, they are not allowing you to make the decision that you think is in the best interest of the company. They actually have other ideas. They think you should be doing something else. And even though you strongly disagree, guess what? You can't do anything about it because you don't have the votes. You have less than 50% of your company. So all you can do is talk, 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 talk. And maybe, as you have heard in some instances, investors can actually kick out the owner of the business from their position as CEO or general manager or whatever. Yes, they cannot kick you off your equity. You still own 30% of the company or 40% of the company. But you will no longer be in an executive position. And an executive position means that you have an operational role in the company. You can make decisions on a day-to-day basis. You can actually direct the affairs and the activities of the company. So you end up being a passive shareholder in your business. And they will hire somebody else to run the company. So these are some ugly sides. I'm not saying it will happen to you or that it's likely to happen to you. I just want you to have the information so that you are able to weigh the upside and the downside to make the best kind of decision that that favors you. And then the third um, downside I want to talk about for investor-funded businesses is that you are vulnerable to exit options. Let me explain. When investors put money in your business, they are not putting that money in your business for life, right? You should not be under the impression that those people want to invest in your business for life. No, the investor's objective is to make a return on their investment. And guess what? They cannot make a return on their investment except they pull out their money. So they bought shares in your company. That's the equity investment. They cannot make money until they sell those shares. And guess what selling a share means? It means that you know your company could be sold to another company. It could be an outright sale, in this case, an acquisition by the other company. Your company could be influenced into a merger with another company. You may not like it, but if the investors that control more than 50% of your company vote for that to happen, you don't have any choice. You know, you, the company can be acquired, the company can be sold, the company can be merged, the company can be sent in a myriad of different uh, strategic directions that you may not like, but you don't have any option. You just have to move along because you no longer have controlling stakes in your company. And those things, for some people... It may not matter much. For some people, it's a big deal. It all depends on what you want. And I'm still going to talk about how you can make the right choice, right? And then let me talk about the, the, the last point I've noticed about businesses that raise money from the outside. And as somebody who works with businesses that are trying to grow or businesses that are in trouble, this is one thing I notice about businesses that have raised money from the outside. They are not as disciplined when it comes to managing resources. They are not as disciplined as their counterparts who are self-funded. You know, when you have problems in business and you have money, you have money in your account, there's a temptation to spend, especially when you have the money. And especially when you have a problem that you think money can solve, there's a temptation to spend as much money as is possible to solve those problems, right? And sometimes money may not just be the problem. Maybe the quality of the decision, maybe you are making poor decisions 
And sometimes pouring more money into a poor decision might not make it a good decision, right? So these guys are not as disciplined, they are not as frugal, and they, they are often not as efficient in spending money like, unlike the guys who refuse to raise money from the outside. So now that we've looked at the pros and the cons of the two sides, the people, the entrepreneurs who are self-funded, who have refused to take money from the outside, from banks or investors, and then I've also talked about the upsides and the downsides of investor-funded businesses, businesses that have actively agreed to raise money from the outside and are taking loans or are taking equity and they are using that leverage, they are using other, other people's money to grow their business. So I've talked about these two sides. And then the question is, which one is better? Because that is the crux of this episode. Which one is better? Because I understand that as an entrepreneur, you have to make a decision. So to help you make that decision, which essentially is which one is better, there are three questions that I need you to answer. And if you can answer these three questions, it will be easier for you to know whether you should avoid outside capital and just focus on bootstrapping your business and keeping it self-funded. Or you should look beyond the biases and the, and the issues that you have and start to explore opportunities to raise money from the outside. So those three questions in order. The first question is, what matters more to you? Does ownership and control matter more to you than size, scale, and rewards? So which one matters more to you? If ownership and control matters more to you, then what it means is that you should focus on self-funding your business, right? Or if you're going to raise money from the outside, you need to have a critical look at how much equity you give away. So you'll be very sensitive to giving away more than 50% of ownership in your company because ownership and control matters a lot to you. If ownership and control matters a lot to you, you have to keep your business self-funded. It's in your interest to keep your business self-funded. But if the size of the business, if the scale of the opportunity and the potential rewards matter more to you, then you may have to consider raising money from outside. So a simple test I ask my clients is this. Would you rather have 100% of a $100,000 company? 100% of a $100,000 company. That whole $100,000 is for you. Or would you rather have 10% of a $10 million company? So it's very simple. Would you, would you have 100% of 100,000, 100% of 100,000, or 10% of 10 million? So the people who go with 10% of 10 million are the ones who are more interested in, I want this thing to be big. I, I can't build this thing on my own. I want it to be big. I want it to spread into other customer segments, other countries. I want this to become, I want this to become an international brand, a global brand. And I don't mind giving away equity because I don't mind having 10% of 10 million. Yes, 10% is a minority. 10% means that I will not always have my way. 10% means I don't have the votes to sway any important decision. But I'm fine with that because my eyes are focused on the size. I own 10% of 10 million which is 1 million in essence, right? On the other side, there are some people who want 100% of 100,000. So 100% 100 of 100,000 means, yes, 100,000 is small, but I control all of it. I own all of it. Nobody can tell me what to do. I make all the decisions and stuff like that. So it all depends on you. What matters more to you? Is it ownership and control or is it size, scale, and rewards? 
the only person who can answer this question is you. The second question you have to answer is, why are you in business? This is a very important question that, to my shock, a lot of people do not really understand why they are in business. So some people think they know why they are in business, which very often is, I, I want to make money. That's why they are in business. So some people think that that is the answer. But when you really ask yourself, why are you in business? Are you in business for lifestyle reasons? You just want to make enough money to support yourself? You want to shore up your financial position. So you just have a business that supports your lifestyle, that helps you pay the bills. Some people run their bills to just, you know, just so that I'm able to pay my rent, pay my children's school fees, and take a vacation, you know, just lifestyle. For some people, it's not about lifestyle. Some, for some people, it's about legacy. They are building a business that one day they hope to retire and hand it over to the next generation. They want to hand it over to their children. They want to hand it over to their family. Or they want to hand it over to some foundation, non-profits, or some religious institution, right? For them, it's all about legacy, right? And, you know, these are people who are very passionate because they are building for the long term. They are building for the long term. Now, you cannot compare somebody who is building for, who is, who is running a business just to pay money to pay the bills, just to make money to pay the bills. You can't compare that person to somebody who is building for the long term. The person who is building for the long term that wants to hand over his business to his son or his daughter, that person treasures control. That person treasures ownership. Because you cannot hand over a company that you own with other people. It may be, it's, it, it's possible, but it's going to be more complex. It's going to be more complicated. So to such a person, ownership and control is very important. To somebody who is just in it for the money, it's just for the money, right? So to such a person, 10, having 10% of 10 million makes a lot of sense. You know, they would rather have 10% of 10 million than have 100% of 100,000. But for the guy who is doing it for legacy, the guy is very, very happy and content to have 100% of 100,000. It is a small amount of money, but he controls all of it. And as far as he's concerned, that control is worth every single bit of it. So you need to be clear why you're in business because it's your why that will determine the choices that you make. And it's very important you keep that in mind. And then the third question you need to answer is, how fast or slow do you want to go? How fast or slow? If you want to take your time, if you're the kind of person who believes that good things take time, good things will take time to build, and you don't mind spending the next 20 years of your life, the next 30 years of your life, building a business you will look back and be proud of, then for such a person, self-funding your business might just be the option that makes sense. But for some people, they do not have 30 years to invest in a business. They don't even have 15 years or 10 years. They want to get to their destination as fast as possible. If your goal is to get to your destination as fast as possible, then you will need help. And that help will come from using other people's money. Because the more money you have, the more fuel you have in your tank. And the more fuel you have in your tank, the faster you can go. So it's all about fuel. And where can, I, where can you get that fuel? Who will give you the fuel? Where can you get leverage? Where can you get other people's money? So these are the critical questions you need to answer. Let me go again. The first is, what matters more to you? Is it ownership and control of your business? Or is it the size and scale and the rewards you can get from that business? 
These are two very different schools of thoughts. The only person who can answer this question is you. The second question is, why are you in business? Are you in business for lifestyle reasons, just to make money and pay your bills? It doesn't matter. As long as you're making money, that's fine. Or are you in, your biz- are you in the business for legacy? Are you building something that means much more than money to you? Are you building a business, a movement, or an organization that means more than money to you? These are two very different choices. My choice is very different from your choice, and it all depends on what we want. And we are all free to make our own choices. All I just want to do here, like I said, is to arm you with sufficient information so that you can make a choice you're confident in. And then, of course, the third thing I said is how fast or slow do you want to go? If you want to take your time, if you want to take your time, then bootstrap, self-fund your business. Use all the resources you can find from within your business, your customers, your personal finances, grants, donations, and free money. Just focus on self-funding the business. But if you want to move fast, if moving fast is very important to you, then the more people you have on board, I mean the more um, external money, the more outside money you have on board, the faster you're likely going to go. So at this point in the episode, let's recap. I, in this episode, very simple format, I talked about two main kinds of businesses. On one hand, I talked about self-funded businesses, and then I talked about the pros and the cons, the upsides and the downsides. And then I talked about investor-funded businesses, businesses that raise money from outside, either from banks or from equity investors. And then I talked about the upsides and the downsides. And then I talked about what to consider in case you're asking yourself, which option is better? Which one should I do? I give you three questions that would act as signposts and guidelines for you. And they are very personalized questions because they an- there is no right or wrong answer to those questions. The only right answer is the one that works for you. That's the important thing about this, right? So at this point in the episode, let's talk about our, our partner, Squeza. Squeza, K-U-U-E-Z-A, is doing interesting things for small and mid-sized businesses on the African continent. If you make products, right? Interesting products that have export potential. If you anticipate or dream of exporting your products to other climes like North America, Canada, the US, Europe, the Middle East, um, if you plan to export your products to markets where you can earn more money for your products compared to what you're earning in your local markets, and you can also earn in foreign exchange. Quesa is a platform that is opening the doors to international trade to small and medium-sized businesses in Africa. And it's not just about exporting from Africa to other countries. Quesa also makes it possible to export between one African country and another African country. So we're seeing people from uh, Kenya exporting shoes and artifacts and stuff to customers in Nigeria or customers in Ghana. We're seeing uh, merchants in Nigeria ship their share butter to customers in South Africa, and not just within Africa. They're also shipping these products. They're shipping honey. They're shipping, they shipping sesame seeds and things like that beyond the shores of Africa. And these are small and mid-sized businesses. This is an, imp- this is an opportunity that, that reminds me a lot about what Alibaba did for uh, small and mid-sized businesses in China, right? I see something very similar happening. And if you want to explore the range of opportunities that are available to you as a merchant, as somebody who sells products um, from Africa and within Africa, go to the Google Play Store or go to the App Store if you use an Apple device and search for Quesa Seller. So it is Quesa, K-U-U-E-Z-A, Seller. So there's a separate app for the sellers 
and there's a separate app for the user. So if you want to explore the range of products that are available on Quesa and maybe probably make an order or a trial order, um, go to your app store and check out the Quesa user app. It is K-U-U-E-Z-A. So at this point in the episode, there are four things I need you to keep in mind. The first is to join the Insiders program. The Insiders is a community of entrepreneurs that work directly with me. These are the people who, who have given me my, essentially the, the, the career that I have now, which is helping businesses figure out and unlock opportunities for growth and for progress, whether it's a new business or a business that's already uh, been existing for a while, but then they're having challenges growing, or a business that's in distress. You're owing a lot of money, or the business is losing customers. The business is no longer where it's supposed to be. I'm the guy who helps you figure that out. And that's exactly the reason why I work with the Insiders as a private community. To learn more about what we do in the Insiders, check us out at smallstarter.com slash insiders. Again, it is smallstarter.com slash insiders. The second thing I need you to do is to tell your friends about this podcast. The advice, the content, the information you get on this podcast is very practical because it's coming directly from the front lines. It's coming directly from the people and the places where the rubber meets the road. These are people who are having to make daily decisions about the direction of their businesses, right? So it can't get better than this. Anybody who is thinking about starting a business or you've already started a business and you're trying to enrich yourself, you're trying to empower yourself with more information and be able to expose your mind to other perspectives. And you never can tell, you might stumble on something that can help you in this podcast. All I'm asking is you're getting all this information for free. Don't keep it to yourself. The best way to pay back is to tell other people about the Small Starter Business Podcast. Tell them about the Small Starter Business Podcast. They can Google it. They can Google it. And we are right up there, number one on Google, right? So that is something you can do. Tell, tell somebody about the Small Starter Business Podcast. Another thing I need you to do is to leave us a review. In fact, preferably, if you don't mind my say so, a five-star review. What a five-star review does is it makes it easier for us to be discovered on the podcast platforms. A five-star review essentially says, this podcast is great. I think you should listen to it. So it makes it easier for other people to find us on the podcast. And um, I'm quite active on social media. On LinkedIn, I have almost a million followers. It should be about 800 and something thousand followers. Now, I'm also active in our group on Facebook. So we can connect there. Just let me know that you've listened to the podcast and send me a request, a, a connect request on LinkedIn. I'll be, I'll be glad to connect. So on to the very next episode, it's um, like I said earlier, it's fascinating the opportunity we have to be entrepreneurs because it is one of very few professions, if not the only profession, if not the only endeavor in human life that basically puts the basically puts you in the driver's seat, right? As an, as an entrepreneur, you don't have the luxury or the leisure of blaming other people or blaming your environment because you are in the driver's seat. You get to make the choices. You get to make the decisions. You get, the, you get to take the initiative. And if it's going to work, it will work because you did something. And if it doesn't work, it's not working because you are not doing something or you're doing the wrong thing right? So I can't think of any better way to apply initiative than to be an entrepreneur. So the moment you get to that point in your business where 
you are thinking, you're seeing all these things happening in the media. They're announcing that people have raised money. You're getting tempted. It may, it may just be right that you deserve to raise money from the outside, right? Or it could be that if you touch money from the outside, you may regret it down the road. Now, because I do not know your specific circumstances, that is exactly why I have created this episode, to be able to guide you in that decision. So you end up making a decision that three years down the road, five years down the road, you look back with pride and say, I'm really glad I made this choice for myself and my business. And until the very next episode, take good care of yourself. Cheers. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Small Starter Business Podcast. To take our free business courses or join one of our signature programs for special entrepreneurs like you, head over to smallstarter.com to join our private community. See you inside.